Hi, friends, and welcome back to Health Simple Radio. This is episode number 42, and I hope you are ready to be mind blown. Today, we are joined by Daniel DeBon. He's the author of a book, Radiation Nation. I just finished reading it myself and couldn't believe the information that I just learned and thought I had to get him on this podcast to share this information with all of you. If you've never heard of EMF or you're not quite sure what it is, then stay tuned because we are going to dive into it all. Now, we live in a very connected world. It's getting more and more connected by the day. You know, we have cell phones, tablets, laptops. They all use Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and who knows what else. But do we really understand what this technology does to our health? Is there an impact? Well, the research is starting to suggest that that there is. You see, all these devices emit radiation. Now, not the same amount as, you know, an MRI would, but a low-level radiation. However, what we're finding in the research is that through chronic exposure to this, there can be some detrimental effects to the human body. Now, think about how often you're exposed to your cell phone and your laptops and your tablets and Wi-Fi and who knows what other electronic devices we use on a daily basis. As I said, this episode is going to be absolutely mind-blowing. Don't take it as fear-monger. Just become informed. We're going to give you guys a lot of practical tips at the end on how you can sort of manage your exposure to EMF and, and limit the impact that it may have uh, on your health. Now, before we get into the episode, if you're really interested in improving your health and optimizing the way that you feel and want to learn about more things just like EMF, then I'd highly recommend subscribing to the Health Simple email list. This is uh, an email list that I personally email uh, every week, once a week, every Tuesday. And I basically just give you guys my thoughts on different health topics, on different products that I use or have tried, uh, and really anything else that I think you may be interested in. It's one email a week, and we'll just give you some good insight into different topics every single week. So if you want to check that out, just go to healthsimpleinfo.com, our website, and it'll pop up. Just throw your name and your email in there, and you will receive an email from me every single week. Without further ado, all right, hello everybody and welcome back to Health Simple Radio. This is episode number 42 and we have Dan DeBon here with us who is the founder of Defender Shield. So Dan, welcome to the show first of all. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Kyle. Appreciate it. Of course. Now, can you give us a little bit of uh, a background of, of who you are and, and just so the listeners know, we're going to talk about EMF. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, don't worry. You're going to learn all about it here in this episode. Uh, very interesting topic. So Dan, give us a little bit of background uh, of where you come from. Um, uh, well, uh, let's first start by saying, um, that, uh, a, a year or two ago, um, I was a co-author on Radiation Nation. It's a book, uh, that talks about modern technologies and the emissions that are from those technologies. Um, it's the fallout of modern uh, technology, as we like to put it. Um, but uh, what prompted that was uh, several years ago, um, I ran technical laboratories for the Bell system and um, then quite serendipitously got involved in this kind of technology space because my wife wanted grandchildren my sons were using their laptops on their laps for hours at a time. And my wife says, that can't be good for you. And I, of course, had background in technology. So I said to my wife, that they, that's just not true. The energy levels are too low for it to be bothersome to the body. Mm -hmm. But I did look into it a little bit. And what I found was, to my surprise, there was very serious and clear evidence even back then, that there was potential dangers to the emissions that are around us all day. So that prompted me to uh, start a company that actually provides shielding. And what happened was I built it for my sons and, the, and they actually began using it. And uh, then they gave it to their uh, friends and, and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden we're running a company um, that uh, provides shielding um, to those who use devices near their, their body. 
and oh, by the way, I still don't have grandchildren five years later. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the, that uh, the wife isn't too happy about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, we yeah. have to have dogs to keep us uh, happy. <laughs> yeah, my parents are doing the same thing. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, you start a, you basically started a company by accident. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's solving uh, a big problem that's, that's happening today that I think a lot of people have no idea even exists, yet right. it affects so many. And I know myself, I've used my laptop on my lap for hours on end since, since college, really. And right. so yeah, exactly. uh, when, when I came across this, your work, you know, it really kind of spiked something in me that, hey, I got to change because this is, this is not good. So can you explain a little bit about what EMF actually is? Because it can be a little bit of a confusing topic for people, but I think hopefully we can simplify it a bit here and make sure that people really understand, you know, what's going on here. Okay. Um, I'll tell a little bit of a story. Um, about 35 years ago, 30 years ago, I was in Bell Labs. And uh, we had these huge mainframes that were just coming off, uh, coming about at that time. And they were emitting a whole lot of things into the environment. But um, um, I was safe because I was 200 feet away from the equipment. And I was at an acoustical coupling connecting to a mainframe. And so I was not being emitted. In, so the emissions that were occurring from electronics, it wasn't near my body. Mm -hmm. uh, fast forward, maybe the last 10 years or so, we've had these small little devices in our pockets, on our laps, on our ears. And, and so um, it's funny how the power, the strength of the computers that were on the mainframes 20, 30 years ago are now in my hand. <laughs> and there are also emissions coming out of them that are no longer far distance they're touching my body. And mm -hmm. so what are those kinds of technologies that are around us that are generating emissions? So um, literally household current, um, the, the, the things you plug into a wall, motors, uh, uh, fans, uh, hair dryers, uh, toasters, they all emit extremely low frequency emissions. They're a, a, a byproduct of the power of being consumed. There's these low level emissions up to 300 uh, kilohertz that actually emit into the room. And most of the time they're okay because when you're a little bit of a distance away from those kinds of things, it's, it's pretty safe. Um, and, and then um, you have the laptop, the, the tablet, the cell phones. In a cell phone, you have a connection to a cell tower, you have a connection to your Wi-Fi, you have a connection to your Bluetooth, and then so you have all these emissions coming out of those little devices. They're low-level emissions, but they're microwave emissions. They're radio frequency emissions. So what do I mean by that? Um, here's an example. When, when you use a microwave oven and you put a piece of meat inside a microwave oven, and you turn it on, the signal from the microwave hits the water between the cells of your body and they oscillate the cells. And that's what cooks your meat, is oscillating cells from an energy that's a microwave at 2.3, uh, about 2.3 gigahertz. Um, your cell phone works at about two gigahertz. So what you're using to connect to your cell tower is a microwave signal that is known to be a thermal and a biological impacting source. Even though it's at a low level, if you think about it, when you walk into an environment today in our, our rooms, the, your whole room is full of these sources. You have um, the cell towers near you, you have your neighbor Wi-Fi, you have your own Wi-Fi, you have... Uh, your laptop, tablet, and cell phone right next to you, all of them having many forms of admission. So all of a sudden you're getting in your environment a whole lot of stuff that 10 years ago didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So this, this EMF that's coming off of these devices, is it just coming off and it's taking over the entire room? Is it just close to the device? How does that, how does that work? 
That's a good question, Kyle. When, when, when you think of this, think of a, your finger, and there's a tiny little ball that's beginning to emerge out, out, out gets built, built big, bigger and bigger and bigger. On a cell phone, it can go up to five miles, and it's an omnidirectional signal. It's going in all directions, and it's emanating from your cell phone. Any of those uh, sources emanate into the entire room. So when you have a cell phone and you have Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and, cell, uh, and cellular connection, you have three emitting sources, omnidirectional, that are going in all directions into your environment. Wow. And this is happening not just from our cell phones. This is happening from our Wi-Fi router that's around. This is yeah. happening from exactly. all these devices that are plugged in. Yeah. Wow. And you, so... You clock, uh, you plug into a wall. That's constantly emitting because it has a little motor inside, your refrigerator, that you I'm have currently, your, your food being cooked in. I'm currently um, wearing Bluetooth headphones. I assume that's yeah, gonna be- Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna delve into that, uh, that comment a little bit prematurely, but I want the point to make because I think it was a good point. Um, a cell phone has 1.6 watts per kilogram of power. The mm. energy level is strong enough to go five miles at that frequency for that extent, 1.6. If you're a concussed individual where there's no blood-brain barrier in your brain protecting your, your, your brain cells, a dot one watt, 15 times less power level, can actually influence the cell of your brain because it's a soft tissue. Uh, so dot one, 15 times less than a 1.6 watts per kilogram. Well, when you use Bluetooth, it's dot three watts per kilogram. So even though it's really, really small, there's a potential health impact because we know from science that even the lowest of levels over a long period of time can be an exposure that may have damaging effects to your body. So, to answer your question, you put a Bluetooth into your ears and you're listening to music for six hours, that's not necessarily a good thing for the brain, particularly if you're concussed. $200 on these Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, we'll talk more about the specific devices and, and which yeah, ones are, are first and that, uh, uh, kind of near the end, we'll get more practical. I wanna talk about you know, I want to apply this and go, what does this actually mean for us? So how does this EMF actually affect our body? Is it down to the cellular level? What's it doing to us? Um, there's, a, there's many, many, many things it does. Um, over the last uh, five years or so, there's been a lot of research that talks about the impact of the cell. Like, mm -hmm. for example, um, we, we were talking about my wife wanting grandchildren. Well, after about four hours of a laptop in your lap, 25% of your um, sperm is immobile. Mm. So, and there's long-term potential damage if those excessive exposures are long. So there's those transient things that can occur. You, you may get a headache, a neurological impact. You, you may have um, dizziness slightly. You may have uh, fogginess in your thinking, very, very slight. Um, so there's those like kinds of temporary impacts when you're really associated close to those devices. Uh, but then there's the long, more long-term, as I was mentioning before, we know a cell itself uh, under uh, 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 an RF signal can actually mutate and um, be a modified cell. Um, we know that we actually know the breakdown of the cell as a result of that exposure. And to reinforce that, um, there's actually been several studies in the U.S., uh, one large study, National Tox Toxicology uh, Program, that spent $25 million. And they had an epidemiology study in which they compared populations and they looked for failures uh, directly uh, from those exposures. And what they found was that there was an elevated increase, a significantly significant finding. In other words, that's a scientific term that says 
it's really real. And, <laughs> and what they found was that there was increase in frontal lobe cancers and there was increase in heart cancers. So we know from that research, plus worldwide research, Ramazani Institute out of Italy, uh, they did the same, almost the identical study with the almost identical same results. So what we know with uh, uh, lots of study work and uh, lots of um, replicated findings that th th there can be damage to the cell and it can be serious. Mm -hmm. um, so um, those kinds of things um, get um, are known as um, the cell impact. The, the, we know also that um, there's like 4,500 system functions in the body. Um, and believe it or not, if, if those systems are weakened, and we'll talk a little bit about why they're weakened, but if they're weakened, um, they actually can be impacted. For example, I know you sit down and you go to bed at night, you put your head on the pillow and you have your cell phone right next to you. I bet you do. Well, <laughs> yeah. guess what? 20% or so of people actually can't go to sleep because it's screwing around with the process of creating the melatonin for your head. So that's one of the reasons why you really don't want these things real close for a long duration because we know system body functions are impacted. Um, so it can be temporary and it can be more seriously permanent. So there's a, lot, a large variety of kinds of impacts it can have on the body. Now, there's, there's still a bit of controversy about the, the research on this. And I mean, it's understandable. One, it's, it's new. It's something that we're just kind of learning about. Um, and two, it's, it's not an easy thing to study, I would assume. Um, oh, yeah. Can yeah you and, 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 and typically, it takes over 30 years when stuff is introduced in our environment, and yeah. then we understand it. For example, in 1978, I think it was, the chairman of Philip Morris was in front of a physician group, a pediatrician's physician group. And they asked, is it a problem if, um, if a pregnant woman smokes cigarettes? And he said, absolutely not. And then he thought about it a little bit and he said, oh, wait a minute though. The baby's gonna be born smaller potentially. And what woman wouldn't want a smaller baby? 1978. That was the mentality then. Of course, we all know it causes cancer and a variety of other things. It took a long time for us to learn that. Trans fats, uh, I know you're in, uh, into the food space. Trans fats that we had 30 years in our environment. A, a lowly in, uh, um, biochemist said, it's not the eggs that are killing us. It's the trans fats that we're using to cook the food. The trans fats that we're putting into our margarine so it spreads easier. And sure enough, it took over 30 years for it to ultimately be banned in the US. Mm -hmm. I believe that what you're seeing with electromagnetic radiation is that the same model, it's consistent. It takes a long time for us to understand it. By the way, when I smoked at 12 years old quite a number of years ago, I often point out I wanted to be a big man, but the general public never knew anything about the, uh, the connections to cigarette smoking and cancer, but research knew it at that time. It just wasn't generally available, market understood. We knew it, so is that true today with electromagnetic radiation? Yes, we have research, very large, significant research that's pointing the finger to problems that we have in our environment that we're creating. Um, and so I believe that it's controversial. It often depends on which side of the fence you're on, but it's not an unusual debate to have if you look at historical parallels. Well, and I agree. And it, and it seems like EMF is kind of the, the new smoking, right? It, it took, yeah. as, you just, as you just said, with trans fats and everything else, you know, it took a while for, yeah. for us to realize that, hey, smoking is bad. And part of the reason for that uh, was because the companies that sell you cigarettes were, were lobbying against it, were trying to hide the research. Is right. this sort of thing happening with, uh, with devices? Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'm going to tell you two stories. The right. first story is I was in the telecommunications for many years, as I, I talked about in the introduction. So I knew a lot of people 
one of one one of them is is he's the head of the largest wireless cell phone one of the wild largest wireless cell phones in the wor uh, world in the u.s not if not in the world mm -hmm. and he saw products i build and he said i love your products but i can never use them because if i begin using them i'm going to substantiate the fact that they could potentially be dangerous mm. uh, so that caught me off guard a bit when when i heard that um and here's another more sinister view there was um in the u.s we have um the uh, fcc they're uh, the governing body that establishes standards in the industry that all of us have to abide in telecommunications that man uh wheeler is his name over 30 years ago was the chairman and head of the ctia a consortium responsible for representing the service providers the cell phone service providers fast forward to about six years ago he became the head of the fcc establishing the standards for the industry almost like putting a chicken a, a fox in the hen house mm. but literally true politics is still as strong as ever <laughs> is it ever so do we have standards are they any good for the devices that we have or are we kind of missing 30, it here? 30, we, I keep on going back 30 years ago. 30 years ago, the FCC went and they got data about the average six foot male. And they said, we want to know how strong the signal level needs to be on a cell phone. And so we're going to take that six foot male average and we're going to establish a standard so we protect that individual what they did was they said 1.6 watts per kilogram will penetrate a male's head by one inch and it will heat it up by two degrees remember we talked about it it's a microwave it mm -hmm. heats up the cells that's what it does so that's what the standard was set back over 30 years ago so fast forward to today you have a child that's six years old using a cell phone. What's going on? That same 1.6 watts per kilogram is not going an inch into the head. It's going all the way through the head of a child. Mm. And all they worried about was the thermal impact, how much heat was being created, never the biological. Uh, and of course, it is more concerning about the biological impacts not the thermal impacts the biological is where you have mutated cells dna damaged cells that's the it's the impact to the 4500 processes of the body that's being impacted and so those are biological and the standard never reflected that so it's not it's not about the heat that these devices are causing because i mean you put your laptop on your lap for a while it gets really hot right. um, but it's that's not i mean that's part of it but that's a whole right. different scenario oh, yeah. actually it's a different thing that's that's actually causing a lot of the issues yeah uh, okay that's interesting so it, it, yeah, it's affecting and, and by the way when you said it, you you feel it in your lap the heat in the lap that heat can be two things it's the emissions of heat that's being thrown off you with the fans in the, in the, uh, in the uh, laptop, or it can be the increase based on the transmission of the RF signal to the Wi-Fi. Hmm. It's because it's a thermal emitting signal. It's increasing the temperature of that body part. And by the way, those are the most dangerous, most susceptible body parts. The, the, the heart, the groin, and the brain are the soft, softest parts of the body those are yeah. where there's most danger when you have friends that are using cell phones and they say god i i get hot when i use my cell phone it's heating up mm. so that's well, that think about canaries in the coal mine kind of thing if it's heating up it's not good for you and and if you think about where we put our devices most is the yeah. groin the pocket of the heart there if you got a suit jacket on or you're going to be on the phone right. up to here yeah. so the three worst exactly. spots now we is it naturally do that right <laughs> is it is it affecting children uh much more than it would be an adult then is that what you were suggesting earlier actually 
I, it's not just only a suggestion, it's a fact. The, the fact that it goes all the way through mm-hmm. is disconcerting in and of itself. But also the fact is, because it's all soft tissue, the bones have not been mature enough. They, they're not resistive to penetration. A child is three times more, more susceptible than an adult male, adult female for that matter. So it's like we have these exposures to kids playing little games on tablets with their connection to the Wi-Fi, and they're being exposed to these signals, and they're absorbing three times of what you would absorb. Wow. Is that good? Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> right. Crazy. So is there, I mean, obviously there's things that we can do to sort of limit our exposure or to, to help with this, but is there, is there anything that are, is happening right now in the laws or that institutions are doing to sort of help? Cause you think about it and you know, you say that it's way worse than kids, but you look at the way that schools are going and they're all getting tablets in their schools. The kids are all going there with cell oh, yeah. phones, Wi-Fi all throughout. Is there any change happening? Um, it depends on what part of the world you're in. Okay. Um, um, I'll, I'll start off by saying that the World Health Organization considers RF uh, to be carcinogenic, like arsenic. So they've mm-hmm. already labeled it as a, um, uh, a, a toxin in our environment, just like arsenic would be. The only reason they didn't talk about it in terms of a, a, a pure carcinogenic is because there was not enough data. And recently with the study work from the Robazani Institute and the NTP, we expect that the World Health Organization is going to declare it a cancer. So we have those kinds of activity going on. Europe tends to be far more aggressive. They, there are some countries that don't allow Wi-Fi in the classroom. Um, right. they, they don't, in fact, for that matter, cell phones or any other device because of the potential dangers. They seem to be far more advanced in Europe in terms of understanding of the population than the U.S. is. Um, In the U.S., um, as you can imagine, there's a conflict, a political conflict that's occurring all the time. And um, that conflict will continue. Um, My guess is And even though we have uh, standards that are coming up from the FCC, we have these counter arguments that are going on by the other politicians. Uh, The state, uh, the the senator from from Connecticut, I believe it was, recently questioned the FCC and said, "Um, you just approved 5G, which is another generation of technology, and you've proven there's no evidence that it's safe. So we have some of that stuff going on. Um, in fact, um, 5G was um, approved under Wheeler, the CTI gate, guy, he approved it. And it's up to 30, 300 gigahertz, which is really, really fast stuff. And I can explain that a little bit later. But um, so th- that, that is actually occurring. But I, back to smoking when did it become common knowledge that there was a canceling it was when they started losing in court it, it we knew the science had it at that time yeah but ultimately it was when we began seeing this stuff in court and i can still remember when it was you know the the stamp on the on the on the packaging of, of, of cigarettes could warning it's bad for you um and we have just begun having uh, law, uh, uh, um, law cases in which the cell phone industry is losing. Uh, Italy recently, where one man passed away from cell phone, uh, was concluded to be cell phone emissions, and he won a large award. I believe that's what's going to be prompting the change more and more. The more we make noise, the more likely it's true that we're going to get evidence-based uh, yeah, makes sense. Or approvals. When I was uh, when I was reading the book Radiation Nation, which is an awesome book, by the way, if you want to learn about EMF, this gives absolutely everything you need to know. But I was interested to see that Lakehead University here in Canada has banned Wi-Fi on campus. Yeah, uh, that's oh, yeah. Uh, I couldn't believe. I, I just couldn't even imagine going to school without Wi-Fi. Um, but hey, good move, right? I mean, it's obviously the way that we need to go. 
um, it's kind of going, you know, back to the way that it used to be, but it makes sense. I mean, if that's what you got to do, then that's really what we have to do. Yeah, believe it or not, in Canada, they seem to be a bit more aggressive at trying to understand this. There was okay. a uh, Dr. Trower is his name. He's out of the UK. He, he developed um, war devices that are RF signal devices. And so when, when you transmit this signal at a power level, it can disarm you uh, using certain technology to do that. Well, he was actually in Canada quite often talking about the guns in the room. Mm. You, you are radiating your children with technologies I developed in the UK to, um, to, uh, to defend ourselves from our enemies, and you have it in the classroom. And mm. so Canada seems to be a little bit more rebellious uh, than the U.S. right now, which I'm really happy to see because, mm -hmm. quite honestly, we, we just don't know yeah. what the long-term impacts of a cell phone going through a child's head all the way through. Yeah. Just okay, know. so let, let, let's look at some of the devices and, and sort of, you know, give some practical information to the listeners. What kind of devices, I mean, obviously there's some EMF coming from every device, but we can't just go back to no devices. We're not going to go back to of the course. 1800s. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so are there ones that we should be more concerned about? Um, or can you sort of discuss that? Yeah, yeah. There's one really important cardinal rule. The fact is that the power level of 1.6 watts per kilogram touching the head is the worst it can be. If you take it one, one foot away, 80% of the cell danger is gone, 98% at four foot. So as a general rule of thumb, if you're not using it, move it away from you by at least four foot or more. Uh, and of course, um, if you have your devices, like a cell phone, and it has Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and cell phone and uh, uh, cell connection, and you don't use Wi-Fi and you don't use Bluetooth, turn them off. You don't need them. So you're reducing the magnitude of that emissions within the room simply by managing uh, those devices. Uh, the other major important uh, message is this um, time duration if you use it five minutes a day you're not going to pass away from cell phone radiation um, if you use it five hours a day you increase the probability of being more permanent damage so time and distance are you're they're your real friends and they're very very simple things to do and when you're not using something turning it off moving it away is a great idea. Now, Wi-Fi. If you have a Wi-Fi on, particularly if it's near your bedroom, and we'll talk about this a little bit in a minute, but if it's a Wi-Fi, I have a timer on mine. It turns it off at 10 o'clock at night when I go to bed, and at 7 o'clock it turns it on. It's I little timer, so I don't have it on at night. So I'm not populating my environment with potentially dangerous signals. I had one uh, person I was talking to uh, um, and um, they were being very, very pleasant to me. They said, you know, what should I do in my bedroom? And I said, well, don't ever have these devices near you because it screws around with your melatonin and all sorts of stuff. And she was very polite. And she said, oh, that's good, good to know. And I said, turn the Wi-Fi off. About, about um, two months later, she calls me up and she wants to do another podcast. I didn't believe what you were saying, she said. It was actually interfering with my husband's and my sleeping because I had these devices all around me in my bedroom. So they really do affect you. And there's a lot of anecdotal as well as scientific evidence that talks about the importance of uh, those minimized exposures. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now, the, the other things that are going on in the house, I mean, I think in the book, um, what is it? The, the things that measure the amount of electricity that you're the hydro that you're using, um, you know, you've got all these other devices. Is there anything we do about those or do we just kind of have to live with all those kind of around? Yeah, that's a wonderful question, particularly as it relates to uh, smart meters. People yeah. are panicking about smart. A smart meter 
is the strength, uh, uh, three quarters of the strength of a cell phone transmission. Yeah. And it's periodic and people panic. But remember, if it's on your garage wall and there's a 20 foot garage space between you and the bedroom or you and the living quarters, there's nothing to worry about. The distance is protecting you. So um, keeping devices um, um, like that away is probably the best thing you can do. Having a meter and walking around the room with any form of meters uh, can tell you, boy, you're in trouble. But, but you don't need a meter to tell you that. All you got to do is look for the sources. Mm. You know, it, when, when you have um, a Roku watching TV that uses a cell, um, a, a, a Wi-Fi connection, connect it with an Ethernet. Uh, when you have your laptop or your computer Wi-Fi, connect it to an Ethernet plug. Um, when you're using a, a laptop, I don't use a laptop close to me. I actually have it away from me, and I connect to a, a monitor and, a, and a, a, an auxiliary a keyboard uh, for my protection. Simple little things like that is really all you need to worry about. And a meter is going to say you got a trouble, and the only thing you can really do is move stuff, turn them mm -hmm. off. And so, in my opinion, you're spending money you don't need if you're diligent about finding the sources in your house. Yeah. The more you talk, the more you realize how many things are devices and how many things are connected around the yeah. house. Actually, oh, yeah. And they have these refrigerators that tell you they, they need more food you, through the Wi-Fi. You, you don't really necessarily need that for <laughs> your environment. You know what yeah. I mean? Go look in the fridge, see if you need more food. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people that... Um, you know, all day when you're at work, you're either on your phone or you're on your laptop. So, right. I mean, moving it uh, or staying away from it isn't really possible, I guess, for a lot of people because right. that's just the way of life now for our jobs. You, you've, you, the, the devices that you created for your sons uh, that you talked about at the beginning, do these help? Is it, is, does it block all of the EMF? Does it block all the different types of EMF? Can you sort of talk about how that works and if this is something that maybe the future for us, if, if you know, we're going to be using all these devices. Yeah. Um, remember when I, I mentioned that the signal is omnidirectional? It goes in all directions. Yeah. Um, by the way, I'm like you. I'm not going to put my cell phone down and not use it because it's going to damage me. I'm going to, I'm going to manage it. And there are a couple of ways I can do that by moving away from me oftentimes. And then, of course, I have products that shield um, the signal that's on one side, taking that omnidirectional signal and not even allowing it to move in one direction, but allow it to move in another direction. Very simple device in theory. Um, there are ways of um, shielding um, of, uh, the signals from your, your body and th that in combination with good management of your environment environment by the way what is it probably a good time to talk about uh, how to remember all these details i talk about it as bees in the room um what one bee won't kill you a thousand will mm. so the idea is to find out where all the bees are in the room and just turn them off redirect them put them under wire and when you're minimizing the number of bees in that room you're improving your health um, something we haven't spoke about is hypersensitivity, electrohypersensitivity. Um, we know that, like multiple chemically sensitive uh, sensitivity, which you may be aware of, there is a growing uh, serious problem with hypersensitivity, where you, you you can't even go close to a laptop or or a cell phone because the transmissions are bothering you. It tingles your hands. Um, it, 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 you get disrupted easily. Um, you heat up really fast when it, when it turns on. And so uh, hypersensitivity is a growing concern in our environment as a result mm -hmm. of these exposures. So it is very important for those, particularly women, by the way, 80, 80% of, 20% of the population is hypersensitive right now, 20%? currently. Wow. Yeah, 20%. By the way, for multiple chemical sensitivity as well. 
and 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 it's growing and and so that of that 20% 80% of women and we know that it actually gets worse before it gets better uh, so it's really really important to manage your environment particularly if you're hypersensitive um, uh, so um, that's one of the things I really push not just because you're going to be safe and you're not going to know it. You can't smell it. You can't see it. You can't feel it. Most of us, but it can be dangerous. And um, there are indicators with uh, hypersensitivity that can get really pretty serious. So, so the big things, the important things to remember is to get some distance from your devices, to manage them. So turn a bunch of them off if you can, or turn them off whenever you have the ability to. And if you can't, then then you can you can sort of block them. And that's the company uh, that that Dan has started is called Defender Shield. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can check out those products. Uh, is there a lot of companies that are doing these? Is can you get um, them anywhere? They all made the same. Funny. Well, I, I actually started this stuff when actually no one seemed to care yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> there are a couple of companies now that are in this business, um, and. Um, and and so there are choices that uh, a consumer can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we happen to have a um, a, uh, a laundry list of products uh, for all devices that are near the body. Mm-hmm. We're even coming out with a blanket for pregnant women. Believe it or not, if you are exposed as a, a pregnant woman in the first part of the pregnancy from RF. Uh, you're three times more likely to have a miscarriage. So believe it or not, this stuff can get serious mm-hmm. for all of us, including pregnant women. So we have a blanket we're coming out with very shortly. Uh, we have um, a variety of different cell phone cases, laptop cases, uh, uh, tablet cases. We have a bunch of those kinds of choices. Um, and also one thing we haven't talked about uh, that actually is important to note is because it's becoming more and more of a problem. We also have glasses that filter out Bluetooth, a blue blue light. Um, okay. Yep. The, the blue blue light is a um, it's a visible light that's on the electromagnetic radiation spectrum, and. Um, <laughs> As humans, we've seen it our whole lives, and all our previous predecessors, and everyone will. It's part of our environment. The blue light component is very, very close to um, being called ionized radiation. Um, when you go to get an X-ray and, and, uh, at the dentist, and and they put something in your mouth, they throw this really heavy thing on top of you. They rush into the other room. You hear a a button being pushed, and they look out and see if you're still there. And if you are, they come back. Why are they worried? It's ionized radiation. Um, Exposure to ionized radiation can disrupt the cell uh, and mutate the cell almost instantly from the strength of the signal itself. So um, when you have blue light, it's getting close to be called ionized radiation. Um, non-ionized is all the stuff we've been talking about all day, non-ionized, but the borderline is blue light. Uh, so if you look at a screen, which is modern stuff just happening to us during the last 10 years, you stare at a screen, uh, you, you stare at a, a cell phone, uh, you stare at a TV, there is a blue light component hitting your eye. It's hitting the retina. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Here are a couple of things we know. Through research, we know that you can have um, macular, premature macular degeneration. So your eye can deteriorate as a result of that blue light component. And these are scientific research studies, by the way. Um, and let, let's say you, you have dry eye. Um, you're going to the doctor and he's saying, you know, take these um, um, uh, drops of... Uh, stuff and your and your eye will be okay well the dry eye could actually be a result of the blue light exposure so um there is more and more concern that us looking at screens for such extended period of times 
because of the blue light component could be very dangerous to us. Uh, and, and so we have a product line strictly filtering out the blue component. Um, and, I mean, I knew, I knew a lot about, uh, you know, blue light in the sense that it sort of tricks your brain into thinking that, you know, the sun is still up, right? So it sort of yeah. delays your melatonin production. We've talked about that on the show before uh, and talked about wearing blue light blocking glasses, you know, at night to help you sleep. Right. I didn't realize it was also a form of... Oh, uh, yeah radiation that's that's yeah it scary. is that's what, literally what it is and and by the way what you were referring to at night it's the circadian rhythm yeah that is screwing around with <laughs> and that there is a subtending bunch of stuff that's bad as a result of you not getting that rhythm correct for your life so it seems that we've really screwed up <laughs> our technology and these devices i don't know if you know but is there any technology that's out there that's on the rise that you know is a phone or a, some sort of device that doesn't admit as much radiation or any radiation like is there any sort of technology that's out there yet do we have any hope <laughs> or are we yeah, just there, there are um there are they're they're looking at optical connections uh, which is point of line of sight connections um uh, where it's using light patterns to connect from one thing to another and, and that essentially eliminates the RF. Um, uh, and so there are kinds of those kinds of things. Um, but in contrast to that, there are those things that are occurring. I mentioned 5G a moment ago. And yeah. 5G is up to 300 gigahertz. At 90 gigahertz, um, it, it's a, um, it's called um, a, um, what do they call it? Uh, it's a device used to crowd control. And what it does is it, it, it hits your skin. Your skin acts as an antenna with the, uh, the sweat glands, and it absorbs it, and all of a sudden you get really, really hot, mm -hmm. and you run. Well, 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 that's at 90 gigahertz. And so we have 5G coming about, which is between 2 and 300 gigahertz, and we know that that exposure potentially can be a continuing trend of uh, excess uh, health danger as a result of those exposures. So there's that you got to manage. But on the other hand, there are technologies that are beginning to come out that may help offset all those uh, negative things that are going on in the technology. Well, hopefully they, they come a little bit sooner than, uh, than we yeah, hope. I mean, it, it's, it's actually getting more serious stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, and um, one thing I didn't mention, um, when, when you have exposures like that, there are, uh, th th there's not just um, the emissions to the cell, but your immune system actually reacts to it as well. Um, mm -hmm. We know from research from Dr. Ali Johansson is that uh, not only is it damaging potentially to the cell, but your whole immune system is suppressed. And so if you have a, re, a reduced system for uh, these kinds of things where, where you, have, uh, you, you, you have leaky gut, for example, and leaky gut is the source of your emission, uh, your, uh, your response to the environment, the toxic environment. And so when those kinds of things are all disrupted, um, you're actually more susceptible as a result of that. So you really want to make sure that there's not just the external things you're worried about, but also mm -hmm. the internal. So there's not the, just the, um, the um, body response from the gut. Uh, by the way, there, there are 10 times more bugs in your gut than there is cells in your body, yeah. to give you an idea of how important that is. And I think you may know those kinds of uh, those facts. So it's really important that you have a, 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 a good gut. The other thing you also need, and this is actually up your alley a little bit too, is uh, our foods. You know, a hundred years ago, um, um, uh, um, lettuce, not lettuce, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Popeye used to eat it. Um, spinach. Spinach. <laughs> spinach had 180 milligrams of iron in it. If you look today, it has like five 
milligrams. So mm -hmm. the, the minerals within our body are just been disrupted over the last 50 years or so. And as a result of that, we have deficiencies in our uh, mineral uh, content. Uh, so you really want to start looking at ways of um, looking at bringing health within the body. Um, mm -hmm. And there are a lot of products available to sort of look at those kinds of things. So you maintain your ability to suppress and uh, deal with these uh, environmental uh, toxins in our environment. That's a good point too. I mean, you're not going to be able to protect or, or, you know, prevent all the EMF that's coming out, you know, that's coming onto you. But if you can eat healthy and just be yeah. a healthy individual, you're going to be able to fight those effects uh, a little bit better. So just another reason to, to really take care of yourself and take care of your health. Uh, is, is there anything before I have a couple last questions for you, but is there anything that we, that we miss that you, you need to make sure that people hear about EMF? Um, yeah, um, you know, we were talking about the time continuum, um, of, uh, technology, uh, and we, we talked about 5G a little bit, yep. but we never talked about one through 4G. It, it may help to understand what was going on. When the standard was developed over 30 years ago, it was based on an analog signal. Um, an analog signal is a constant waveform constant waveform. Here's an analogy. If I take a steel bar and I put it into a piece of concrete and I put 10,000 pounds onto that steel bar and it's a constant load, it won't break. Mm -hmm. When I take a steel bar and I put it on a piece of concrete and I lift that 10,000 pounds up and I drop it down, lift it up, drop it down, the concrete breaks. Why is that important? Well, 1G was an analog constant load. 2 to 4G is a digital load. It's on, off, on, off. So we know when we change the algorithms and communicating back and forth in the technologies that, in fact, it's more dangerous to the cell than, um, than it, when it was at constant load as an analog signal. Here comes 5G. Uh, 5G is not only up to 300 gigahertz, but it also has um, two sets of data within the, within the carrier. That's it, called MIMO, multiple in, multiple out. And so now we have two jackhammers that are hitting the cell. Um, and as a result of that, uh, there could potentially be more danger to the cell given we know that the evolution from analog to digital, we saw a change in the, how the cell deals with it to the 5G, which is now double. So when you lose, use caution, you really want to pay a lot of attention to when you use 5G. Wow. Which is so in is your there, environment next year, actually next year. Is it next year? It's coming 2019? Yeah. Yeah. They're actually trialing it already. So um, there, I mean, it seems like, you know, they're just going to, the, the companies, the corporations are just going to keep coming out with these better technologies. And I mean, it's kind of what the consumer wants because at the moment they don't know the, the health impacts to it. For those of us who have listened to this podcast and understand, you know, the, the consequences or the risks, is there anything that we can do? Is there, you know, is there anything that we can do to sort of help or, or what's, where are we at with this? Like, what can we do to, to kind of band together and, and make a difference here? Um. I tend not to like to go into the political space, um, okay. but it's clear that that, uh, that needs to be taken. I'll give you an example. Uh, I work with a, neuro a neurologist out in uh, Washington State, and he called me up on Saturday morning. He said, I got this splitting, splitting headache. What's going on in my environment? And, I, and I, he had just moved into the cottage that he had bought, uh, a remote cottage. And I said, go look at the router. And he went and looked at it, and it was a 5G router. Mm. So um, he turned it off. Two hours later, all his headaches went away. Um, so he's a believer that there could be some potential dangers, and certainly there are transient dangers that he has to worry about. So he had a cell tower that was being installed 
in his area and the, and the, the town wanted to approve or deny it. Um, and so what he did was he went down to the town and he shared his experience. So there's really literally get part of your uh, local municipalities and, and, and sort of lobby for what you think is the right answers. Uh, we know that there are beginning to be others who are lobbying at the higher levels. Um, but all those are nice and good. Ten years from now, they'll still be fighting these arguments potentially. Yeah. yeah. And, and really, so it's a matter of making sure you own your environment. Like, yeah. like you don't want multiple uh, volcanic compounds um, because you have a chemicals that doesn't have a cap in the bedroom. Uh, you want to cap it. Same thing here. Manage your environment. Those are the the best things you can do in time. We'll see um, what, what prevails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, if someone wants to continue to learn about the advances of EMF and, and kind of where things are going, do you guys have any resources? Uh, I mean, obviously, Radiation Nation, if you want to, you know, really dive into it, pick up that book. Uh, really interesting read. But is there, do you guys have like somewhere that you continue to put out information or is there anything that we can yeah. Yeah. keep learning? So let's talk about the book a little bit. What prompted me to write the book and my son? Um, we were frustrated. Um, we were frustrated that research was really solid, yet the layperson didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. and, and for that matter, didn't even know what it was. So we set out a few years ago to help moms, grandmas, lay people who don't necessarily understand this rather technical stuff and try to give it to them in a way that they understand it. That's, what, that's why we wrote Radiation Nation. Irony of all ironies, I had researchers from, I mentioned Ali Johansson, um, Dr. Ali Johansson. He actually wrote, a, wrote us and said, my gosh, I learned something. And he's been doing electromagnetic radiation study work for 30 years. Hmm. What we knew was the research wasn't talking to the physician's community. The physician's community wasn't talking to the uh, layperson about these subjects. So that's why we wrote the book. To keep current, we have on our website uh, um, articles we write all the time on the, what's current, what's, what's going on in the environment around us, as well as with Facebook. If you go to Facebook, we post almost every day of what's going on in, in the environment and who's arguing with who, what new data do we know? So we constantly keep that updated. And then to go more deep, we have a learning section within our website, a, a, a very extensive library, research library. We, we don't cite conjecture and hearsay. We cite research study work that's been bonafide and, and properly operated. And we keep a whole um, literature base th there. So if you want to investigate a little bit about ADHD and the link to um, uh, EMF, you can find it. So we have that library of data that can be helpful for, for everyone at de uh, DefenderShield.com. Awesome. Well, Dan, I, I don't have any other questions, but I just want to first say thank you for, for joining us here and, and explaining all this, uh, this interesting information and, and also say thank you for all the work that you guys are doing. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is definitely an important issue and it's probably going to be one of the bigger, you know, issues of our time, I think, uh, similar to the way that smoking and that was. So, uh, you know, we need people like you guys who are, who are sort of getting after it and tackling it head on. So, uh, you know, thank you for, for that. And thank you for sharing all this. So, um, I don't know if there's anything else that, that you wanted to add, but, um, you know, really appreciate you coming on here. Well, I, I really appreciate you asking uh, me uh, to your show because it helps us uh, bring some messaging to, to those who need to listen to it, uh, mm -hmm. this data. Uh, it, it turns out um, women are more affected than men, women, mothers, grandmothers. It's really important that we find a path to get people at least to have a sense and argue intelligently one side or the other and, mm -hmm. and hopefully uh, through the work you're doing inviting me and and other things we're doing will be effective thank you so much again for inviting me i really do appreciate it all right thank you dan will you take care thank you
That's a wrap. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to check out our new ebook, So You Want to Eat Healthy. You can find it at the link healthsimpleinfo.com slash eat dash healthy or in the show notes below. If you enjoyed this episode or have any comments or questions, feel free to leave us a review or hit us up on Instagram. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Have a great day.